Hi, and welcome to our last 15-minute installment for this week, our first uh, hour of grace from Ephesians chapter 1 that we are going to finish up today. And thank you for joining us uh, for this time of study. Our theme today, as we uh, as we cover this section, we didn't really finish verse 6 last time. I said we were going to, but we didn't. And, and that's really this theme of to the glory of his grace. And you'll see this in, in verse 6 where Paul says, to, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. To the glory of God's grace. God's name is important. In the Old Testament, we find this many times, that God says, for my name's sake, I am doing this. Moses said, uh, when God was going to destroy his people, Moses stood in the, in the gap and said, God, don't do this. Uh, your name is at stake here. They're going to say you couldn't save your people. So God's name is very important. And we, we see the 23rd Psalm. He leads us in the paths of righteousness, not for my name's sake, but for his name's sake. And so this is the theme here when we talk about uh, God's glory, the glory of his grace. And I want to point out that you see this three times in this first half of this first chapter. You see the same thought three times. And I want you to notice the context. that It's all to God's glory as the Godhead. But in the first, in verse 6, we've just finished talking about, blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, you know, the, the Father. And then we see this to the praise of his glory in verse 6. When we go to verse 12, speaking of the Son, it says uh, that um, uh, in order that, this is verse 12, sorry, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And the context there is speaking of Jesus Christ, the Son. The third one is the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, at, just before that, at the end of 13, the promised Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is this deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And there you have the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's different context, but it's all toward, of course, the glory of God. So it's a very important theme and a very important aspect uh, of this this passage here as we as we enter into the study of Ephesians chapter one. Verse seven is really I, I put this here the, the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel. And this is a really powerful verse. And it begins in verse seven. In him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness for sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The heart of the gospel. And this very important word that uh, we find here, redemption through his blood. Now, I want to note this is, in the, this is in the present tense. And that's important to remember. We have this redemption now. We are not going to be saved. We are saved. We have been redeemed. We hold redemption. We hold this. We have this. We hold this redemption. And you'll notice that it's in Christ. It begins in him. And it's important that it's not just by him. It is by him, but it's in him as well. And that has that idea of that spatial sphere that we are located in Christ. We are identified with Christ. He is the head. We are the body. And God sees us in Jesus Christ. This is really important in these prison epistles. This, this idea of being identified with Christ. And in him we have redemption. And we, and we hold that, we hold that, we have that now. This word redemption, um, one of the, I have a question mark after the word ransom there because there's, there's some discussion, debate in the, in the commentaries about this. 
Is this the primary thought here for redemption, the idea of to ransom? You know, lately we hear about um, uh, cyber attacks, right? Where a computer's uh, hard drive and data is is encrypted and held ransom till you pay a fee. We used to think about ransom and kidnapping. The idea in the Greek language, the idea to buy back from the marketplace. This word ransom has kind of two meanings. One is to, to buy back from the marketplace, but also has the idea deliverance in general. Well, I think it's, I think it'd be certainly be fair to say that the idea of ransom, the idea that we have been purchased back with the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. And you do, you do find this, for example, in Second Peter, the idea of of, of purchased or bought back. And so clearly that is a significant part of it, that the, the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been ransomed. We have redemption. We have been redeemed. We also have the idea, and I just, but, but the word here, blood, is, is, is really important. And the idea I want to, I think we also want to connect with this is the idea of atonement. It's not just ransom, but it's also the idea of atonement, the covering the blood covering of, of the mercy seat that was so important. And, you know, in Hebrew, in Leviticus chapter uh, 17 in the Old Testament, uh, Moses said this, speaking of any Israelite who eats blood, they weren't, they weren't supposed to eat blood. They're not supposed to eat blood. And he says that if they do so, I will set my face against them in verse 10. And he goes on to say in verse 11, for the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement. The sacrificial animals were never strangled. They were always slaughtered and the blood applied. And so we have the idea of ransom. And we see this in the Old Testament with Ruth and Boaz and the kinsman redeemer. And we see that language used in the New Testament. New Testament. But we also clearly see the focus here in the blood the blood of atonement. And again, another really important passage that really connects with this, this here is in, is in Romans chapter three, a very well known passage, Romans chapter three, and in uh, verse uh, uh, 23, where Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace, what? Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. So the blood of Jesus Christ provided that salvation in both aspects, the idea of ransom and atonement are together uh, in this thought here of our salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, the forgiveness for sins. And the idea here is kind of the idea to be released from. We are released from the penalty of sin. In, in the Bible, has the idea of, of forgiveness, the deliverance from the, the penalty of sin. Uh, it's used in classical, in the classical Greek language for the release of prisoners, release of cancellation of, of debt. And so, um, this idea that, uh, we are released from the, the debt of our sins, we still live in the sinful flesh and we still experience sin, but we have been released from the penalty of that sin because we have been forgiven. And so we have the forgiveness for sins. Another very important theme here as we get in just the very beginning of the book of Ephesians. We have redemption through the blood, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us 
with all wisdom. The riches of God's grace. This, this story begins and ends with God's grace, unmerited favor. And this idea that, that, that God has lavished his love and his grace upon us. We, we do not merit it. It's unmerited favor. And yet God has chosen to do this and to provide this release from sin, the penalty of sin, uh, for us. God's grace. Everything it is everything. The story begins and ends with God's grace. And I like that where it says that, that he lavished it on us. I mean, this is a really beautiful word, isn't it? This idea of, of lavish. And, and the idea here has, has, is the thought that to excel, uh, in abundance. Think of the story of the, the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus had this small lunch and he fed that entire crowd. And it, and it makes the point of saying everybody ate until they were full. And then they collected the 12 baskets over, left over to make the point. The abundance and what was left over, uh, it was lavished. And then we think of the story when, when uh, Jesus uh, was there and, and the lady came and broke the alabaster jar and poured that ointment, that perfume on him. And they criticized him. Well, he, why would he let her do this? You know, it's such expensive. And Jesus said to Simon, if a, if, if, if a man had two servants and one owed 50 denarii and one owed 500 denarii and he forgave both of them, who do you think would, would love him the most? Who would be, who, who would feel the most lavished upon? And Peter says, well, I guess the one who was forgiven much uh, would love, would love much. And, and that's exactly it. This idea that it was lavished upon us. What a wonderful thought that we have here in the book of Ephesians, that God's love and grace has been, has been just been poured upon us. And this is in that, I want to make a point here that this is what we call the aorist, um, it's, a, it's an aorist active verb. And the idea of the aorist, you'll hear this every so often, we talk about Greek words. And simply, the, the thing to remember is it's point action. There are different nuances of it and so forth, but it's point action. And it kind of raised a question to me. That's why I put a question mark there. And you can think about this. What do you think? When it says he, he lavished it on us, is, is the point, is the main point action here in terms of the cross of Calvary? Or is it when it's applied to you and to me at the point that we receive Christ as our Savior? Or is it the entire church? He's lavished it upon the entire church. Well, maybe it's yes, yes, and yes. I mean, certainly it's the cross of Calvary that the sacrifice that provided the means of atonement, the blood of atonement. And in fact, I believe it also covered the atonement for the Old Testament. The Bible goes on to say the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sins. But it was their faith in the blood atonement that eventually it was the cross of Calvary that was retroactive for the atonement as well and forward. And so at that point in time, but for me, it was lavished upon me when I became a Christian, when I received Christ as my Savior through simple faith as a young child in third grade at a camp in chapel. And it was lavished and poured out abundantly, more than more than I needed, right? Abundant is much more abundant that God poured out his grace and continues to do so. These are wonderful thoughts from this epistle to the Ephesians. And then finally, he says that you'll notice it says he's done this with all, he lavished it on us with all wisdom and understanding. The next verse, and he made known unto us the mystery of his will. 
We're going to get to that verse next time. But I also wanted to kind of make a point here and raise this question. With this idea of wisdom and understanding, you have a indites. Um, this is just a, 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 a grammatical term that means when you, when you have two words that are used to express a, a single idea, two distinct words, but together they have an overlap. You know, you take wisdom and understanding and put the overlap and you get the entire picture. And um, the, the question is, is, is the focus here on God's wisdom and understanding? Is that the focus that in his wisdom and understanding, he's revealed to us that what we see in verse 9? Or does it really go with verse 8, that he's lavished these things upon us in all wisdom and understanding for us? Uh, a couple different ways of looking at this. Um, is it for God or is it for the believer? Of course, God is all wise and understanding. That's not a question at all. But in this particular passage, what's the emphasis? Uh, one way to read this would be that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known unto us. In other words, the focus is on with God's wisdom and understanding he made known unto us. Or as it might, we could say the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known unto us. And the idea by taking it this way is that the focus is that God has given us wisdom and understanding. And I personally, I, I think that's, that's the, the point here. I get, I can't be dogmatic on these things. I'm not the final expert at all, but I, I think that's the focus here that this wisdom and understanding has to do with what God has lavished his, his grace and mercy upon us. He has redeemed us. The blood of Jesus Christ has provided our atonement. And in, in all these things he's done for us, he's also given us, he's lavished on this, uh, upon us this grace and love and wisdom and understanding in order that we can apply this to our lives. This is a biblical theme in the Old Testament. Many times it says, know to do, understand so you can apply it. Think of a craftsman who knows his craft. He can have it all in his head and he can even have the experience, but then he produces the craft. And so I like to, I like to think of it this way. When all these things we've covered here in Ephesians, things that we are to know to do, that God has given us wisdom and understanding, wisdom and understanding that he has given us and he continues to the person of the Holy Spirit to help us discern how to put these things to, to application in our life. As we saw from Colossians that he gives us to will and to do his good pleasure, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he's given us that wisdom and understanding to apply these things. So let's end with that today. And as we come to the end of our uh, first hour of a study together, our four 15-minute segments, I have to apologize and say, wow, you know, one hour and you only covered eight verses. Or we could say, wow, in one hour we barely scratched the surface on eight verses. Well, you be the judge and hope you can join us for our next session. We'll begin uh, on our episode two as we continue in verse nine. God bless you so much and thanks for joining us.